Amen. Thank you, Brother Smith. Let's take our Bibles tonight. Turn to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians 6. And I just want us to launch into this uh, new series in which we're going to look at the matter of victory in the spiritual battle. And we are in a spiritual battle and we do have victory. But if we don't recognize what we're facing, what we're in, what we're battling, and the components of that, then we're not going to experience the victory. And so uh, I, I'm, I look forward to uh, going through this, I, even for my own sake. Uh, some of the things we're going to look at, we're going to deal with the battle for a little while. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the, the nature of it, the opposition in the battle, the strategy that God has for us in the battle. And then we're going to get into the armor that's necessary in the battle. And we're going to see that in Ephesians chapter number 6. And that's really where this grew out of is starting to, to on a series dealing with the armor. And then just I, I took a, uh, went up a little bit higher in a, in a, in a 50,000 foot view and looked down on that. And I thought, well, let's step back and just look at the battle itself. And then we're going to get into the victory itself and and the components of that, the prayer uh, life, the sufficiency of Christ. And, and then we'll get into some of the strongholds. Look at the strongholds in marriage. Look at some of the chemical strongholds that people face. Sexual strongholds, emotional strongholds. And, and there'll be uh, plenty of others. And maybe, uh, depending upon uh, the course in which we take, there'll be um, another, I have another a couple of options for shoot off of that uh, that we can go into as a, as a follow through. But tonight I want us just to launch into introducing this. We'll look at one verse. We're not necessarily even getting into the passage tonight, but I just want to uh, set the arena for this. But notice Ephesians 6 and verse number 12. And I'd like to invite you to stand with me one more time here. Ephesians 6 and verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let's read that together out loud. Shall we do that? In Ephesians 6 verse 12 together. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Beside that verse in this Bible that I have, I have the phrase written, do battle with the right enemy. Do battle with the right enemy. Thank you. Please be seated. Mentioned, I think it was maybe last night in the prayer time, Dr. Jim preached on the matter of Satan's sifting of saints, in which the Lord Jesus was working there in Peter's life. And Peter, he expressed that God was using him when he made the declaration of who Christ was. But then in the very next breath, practically, we see Satan influencing him 
And Jesus recognized it, although Peter did not. In Matthew chapter 17, you find where Peter, James, and John went up on a mountain with Jesus in what was known as the Mount of Transfiguration. And the Lord was revealed to them. They heard some things that they had never heard before. They heard a voice from heaven. They heard God speaking, This is my beloved Son, hear ye Him. They saw something that they had not seen. They saw the transfigured Shekinah glory of God. And it was such a good time that Peter said, let's just stay here. We'll, we'll set up some booths, some tents, and we'll just stay right here. But a few verses later in that passage in Matthew 17, you find the phrase, and they came down. They had to come off the mountain. I love mountaintop experiences I'm thankful for when we can experience those times of hearing God and seeing God and knowing the reality of God. But we must remember that with Jesus, we too must come down. But don't get fearful. I had one call me last night from another place, and, and we walked through some things, as he mentioned, just experiencing darkness. And I reminded him, somebody not from this church, and I said, in talking with several from the church here, in isolated conversations, while they're experiencing God, they can tell you about their times with God and their communion with God, but it, it just continually comes up. But I entered into a dark time. I was hit with darkness. And I said, don't fear when you have to come off that mountain. Because remember what David of old said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he goes on to describe, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou, the Lord who is my shepherd, for thou art with me. When Peter came down off that mountain, remember, he wasn't prepared for what to do after the mountaintop experience. And my great concern, and we talked about it throughout the meeting and even made mention of it Friday, that a lot of times when a teenager comes home from camp or one comes home from Bible college or after a revival meeting, if we're not careful, we're not prepared for after the mountaintop experience. Because it was after that mountaintop experience that Satan went after Peter and Peter denied the Lord and bitterly failed. But there are some reasons that we can see, some things that happened in his life, and this is not the message here, but it helps us understand a little bit about what we're going to, we'll be getting into, and that is, Peter minimized his potential to sin. When Jesus was warning the disciples, his followers, and after going through their Bible college experience with the Lord Jesus just on the eve of graduation, Peter said, though everybody deny you, I'm not going to do it. He was very sincere, but he minimized his potential to sin. When what he should have said was, but by the grace of God, I have no intention to ever sin. And it's only by God's grace that I would not. 
but he minimized his own potential to sin. A second thing you find with Peter is he failed to pray. The Lord Jesus called the same trio, man, what would you not watch with me one hour? Peter couldn't stay awake during the greatest crisis of his life. And then we find him shortly thereafter when Jesus was arrested. The one who said, I'll never leave him. He's now by the fire. Warming his hands by a fire and a young teenage girl was all the devil needed to trip him up. He's showing how he's toying and playing with one of the great disciples of Jesus, just a teenage girl, and he cursed and denied even knowing the Lord Jesus. He was in the wrong place. A lot of times people say, I, I don't know why uh, I'm not doing anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with where I'm, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. There's nothing wrong with standing by the fire warming your hands unless you're supposed to be with Jesus. All of that Satan could use. And as we enter into this journey of understanding the, the spiritual battle and understanding the, the war that's taking place, I want us to understand the strategy and God has given us insight into all of Satan's strategy. In an art gallery in Europe hangs a painting that is titled Checkmate. On one side of a chessboard sits the devil, full of laughter. His hand is poised, ready to make his next move. On the other side of the chessboard, you see, sits a shaking, frightened young man. If you could look more closely, you'd find his forehead is covered in sweat, dripping down and mixing with a solitary tear on his cheek. The game is obviously drawing to a close and the winner, the devil, appears to have already taken the victory. One day, a chess champion from a far off country visited the gallery and he studies this painting as it catches his eye, noticing that its title is Checkmate. He stands and examines it for a very long time. In fact, while others had moved on from his party throughout the gallery, this chess champion remained fixated on the game and especially on the devil who sat eagerly waiting for his next turn in which he planned to steal this man's soul. Minutes turned into hours as the chess champion studied the board from every possible angle. The sweat on the young man's forehead, it, it urged, it motivated this chess champion to continue. Finally, as the gallery was about to close, the chess champion found a custodian there in the gallery and asked, Sir, would you happen to have a chess board on hand? After looking around in several of the offices, he located a chessboard and he brought it to the man. The chess champion laid the board out and at the base of the painting and he laid it out precisely as he saw it in the painting. He made a move and then he countered that move in the only way that the devil could to avoid checkmate. 
He then made another move and countered it again, knowing that the devil would have to defend himself in his next move as well. The chess champion did this several more times, putting the devil on the defensive each and every time. Eventually, a loud yell was heard throughout the gallery as the chess champion cried out in relief, I did it! I did it! I did it! Turning to the painting, the chess champion lowered his voice and he said, Young man, your enemy miscalculated a very important move. I uncovered it. And as a result, you don't have to lose. You win. The chess champion had discovered a way, not only for the young man to escape, but also to checkmate the devil himself. See, friend, tonight the chances are some of you may be feeling like the man in this painting. Fear or anxiety has crept up on you as you imagine the devil preparing to make the final move, the final move in your personal life or the final move in your marriage or the final move in your home, your health, your career, your finances or any number of other arenas you might be facing. Satan's confident laughter and swift moves have tricked you into believing that he's running the show and he's calling the shots. He's been toying with your emotions as if you are a puppet on the string. But the truth is, this journey that we're on, this battle that we're fighting, this pilgrimage and walking with God, this revived Christian life, you can do this because you have a champion who knows how to guide your every move. In fact, our champion, he's already made the final move on the devil and he's securing your victory forever. Now, what you and I have to do is play out the remainder of this game according to God's directions and underneath the overarching rule of his kingdom agenda, keeping that before us. And if you will but trust and obey, then you will claim victory for yourself. And that, my friend, is guaranteed. Now, I want you to see a couple of principles. And again, we're just going to just, just whet the appetite and get into this. But one principle, and you've heard us say this, we've mentioned this many times, but this is a key principle. If we're going to understand the victory in this spiritual battle, a key principle is this. The fight, the fight is from victory to victory. The fight is from victory to victory. And perhaps someone is saying, yes, I've heard that before, but I don't quite get it. The great thing about this battle that we're in is that you do not have to earn victory. Amen. Nor do you have to quite figure it out for yourself. Because God has already given you everything you need to make your next move on your path to victory. In fact, Peter talked about it in 2 Peter 1 and verse number 3, in which he tells us that God's given us everything that we need. 
everything to live a successful and godly, victorious Christian life. Now, so the key to this is that principle is that we're going from victory, meaning we're already on the winning side. Meaning we have a champion who understands every move of the devil and is able to conquer whatever it is that he opposes, whatever he supposes. And so as we begin, I want you to realize this key principle. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. See, the battle has already been won. And what we're trying to do is appropriate it by faith. Keep in mind, if you want to understand the normal Christian life of victory, keep in mind how does a person get saved. You don't earn it. You don't merit it. You appropriate it by faith. You take it by faith. The same is true in this spiritual battle. Now, to grasp the truth behind this principle, the principle of you're fighting from victory to greater victory, to grasp this truth, I think it helps to understand the history of this battle. It all began when God made the first move by creating the angels. When God made the first move, Lucifer, the anointed angel, he made his move. He responded negatively to that move of God by rebelling against God and taking one-third of the angels with him in that rebellion. So God countered Satan by creating man in his own image, a little lower than the angels. Satan rebelled against that move by enticing Adam and Eve to sin, thus turning the uh, uh, earth over to his control. God then countered Satan's move by providing a redemptive covering for Adam and Eve so they could return back to fellowship with God. Satan then made his next move by inciting Cain to kill Abel in order to cut off the godly line. See, sometimes we fail to realize the, the big picture behind the scene. And while we think that we are in an isolated event, it's just me and it's just me alone in this sin that I'm enjoying, we don't realize what Satan is sometimes doing to cut off the supply of victory for somebody else. And that was much bigger than Cain and getting mad at his brother Abel and having this, this uh, anger spill out into murder. This was also Cain being used by Satan to cut off the godly line that was soon to come. But God responded to Satan's move through the birth of Seth, making a way for men to begin calling on the name of the Lord again. Satan countered that move by luring Nimrod at the Tower of Babel into thinking he could make himself and his people as high as the heavens. For God's next move, he turned his gaze onto a man named Abraham calling out a nation through him to be holy and set apart. 
Satan, however, countered that move by trapping this nation in Egypt under Pharaoh's rule. But then God grabbed Moses and Midian and placed him in a position in, in, to, in order to knock Pharaoh out of the equation altogether. See, throughout the remainder of the Old Testament, you find this game went on move and counter move and move and counter move. And by the time you get to the Old Testament, we will have reached a time of about 400 years where no move is recorded by either side as both sit staring at the board in silence. But when the New Testament opens up, we see that God reaches for his special peace. His very own son, Jesus Christ, and he moved him into a new location from heaven to earth. Well, Satan attempts his counter move by tempting Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus overcomes that move through using the word of God. So Satan then tries what he thinks is going to be his final move of checkmate by orchestrating the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But Satan miscalculated something very important because he didn't realize that death on the cross was not a checkmate move. In fact, it was just a setup for the final move that God would make to checkmate Satan by raising Jesus from the dead. The accomplishment of the cross through the resurrection of Christ was God's final move and offered each one of us victory over an enemy, an enemy who is seeking to intimidate, to deceive, and to destroy us. You see, the ultimate winner of this game, it has been decided. Victory has been won. And while you and I are on earth and we're still in play, we need to live in light of the truth of the victory gained through that final move, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of that decisive move by God, listen, Satan no longer has authority over you to defeat you. He does not. His only, listen, his only means to overcome you is to deceive you. It's the only means he has. He can only trick you and deceive you to make you believe that the winner of the battle is yet undecided. Now, by illustrating this spiritual warfare through the game of chess, I don't want to minimize the severity of the battle. I don't want to do that. Nor do I want to minimize the enormous depth of pain that the battle has caused, nor the number of casualties that have resulted from it. It is a real battle. The fact is we are in a war. In fact, the war we are in is like no other war that any of us have ever known or ever heard or could even ever possibly conceive. If I were to ask you to think of the absolute worst war in human history, I think about the Battle of Antietam in the Civil War in 1862. It's known as the bloodiest single-day battle of, of the Civil War. Gettysburg is the bloodiest three-day battle. But all of that pales in comparison to the spiritual battle that's waging all around us. This war is different. 
It's different from every other war. Not just because of its sheer magnitude and scope, but mainly because this war is fought in a place we have never seen. Spiritual warfare, I want you to see this. Brother Cherry will put up this on the screen. When we talk about spiritual warfare, what we're saying is that it is the cosmic conflict waged in the invisible spiritual realm, but simultaneously fleshed out in the visible and physical realm. Listen to it again. Spiritual warfare is the cosmic conflict waged in the invisible spiritual realm, but simultaneously fleshed out in the visible physical realm. Let me put it another way. The root of this spiritual war is something you cannot see. But it, its effects, the effects of the war are clearly seen and felt. And ignorance of this battle, it'll cause us to tend only to the effects. That which we see and feel. He did this, she did that, they did this, I feel this, and we're only fighting the effect. And we never get to the root. This is because everything physical, everything physical, is either influenced or caused by something spiritual. I think we'll stop right there because of the significance of going into the next. But I want us to see that this journey, I don't want us to get off into that, that pit of the sensation. I don't want us to sensationalize. And I've been to places, I've been to other parts of the world and other countries where I, I, I've seen it's, it, it is spooky. It is scary. And, and I've sat and listened to missionaries talk about things that, that are just mind-boggling that you would only see by way of a movie. And I remember sitting with a, uh, a preacher one time in, in Fiji and, and listening to them, all of them talk about these things that we would only see in some kind of a, a demonic movie and they talk about it being normal and, 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 and I realized, wait a minute, he's not working more over here than he is back home. And the missionary cautioned everyone from our group and he said the very same thing that I was thinking and he went on to say, you would be greatly mistaken and deceived if you thought the devil was not working back at home. And he said the way that he works is always through deception. And the fact that he's doing some of the things so overtly in other places is only because it is common to them. And he's working in our area and he's doing it in a way which is common to us and is to cause us to not recognize what they're going through. They were not necessarily chalking it up to Satan. But we could see it and say, that has Satan all over it. 
And yet if God were to look into our home and walk with us as he does in our life, and, and if we could listen to him, he would say, hey, why have you let Satan influence you? As Jesus said to Peter, why has Satan influenced you? Why, as Peter said later to Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? Why have you let him influence you? And yet so many of us would say, I, I didn't let Satan do that. It's because of the nature of the battle. I don't want us to get off in the sensational, but I also want us to wake up and not be so deceived and say, we're not in a battle. When we are in a battle, and it's a battle not just for your life, but for the trajectory of your family tree. I stand together, please.